This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host, Conor O'Neill, and I'm delighted to be joined this afternoon by Adam Jones, Joel Thomas and Gav Buckland as we look back on Everton's opening Premier League game of the season against Chelsea. The world of transfers as it seems the Blues are heading for a triple swoop in the summer window. And of course, address the big issue in the Thunder Calvert Loon's injury and why it leaves Frank Lampard's light up top. But lads, there's only one place to start, and as a good some park, all four of us were there on Saturdays, haven't kicked off their new Premier League campaign at home to Chelsea. Unfortunately, they fell to a one nil a disappointing one nil defeat as Jorginho's first half penalty in stoppage time was the difference between the two sides. But Joe, I think in terms of you know, you wrote this in your verdict post match, there was despite the disappointment and obviously the fact that Everton lost the game. There were signs of progress, wasn't there? And there were signs of, for the first time in a long time, Everton fans had something to watch and, and be positive positive energy by, I think, leaving Goodison Park. It wasn't all doom and gloom. Absolutely, Connor. You know, I think it's always very disappointing to lose your first game of the season. It's always even more disappointing to lose your first game of the season at home. But I think when you look at the, the context in which Everton are operating, I think that there were plenty of positives to take from Saturday. Obviously, this is a side that came very close to relegation last season. We all know that. There are a couple of new faces. We all know that they need more new faces. Frank Lampard knows that and we'll come on to transfers later. They came up against a Chelsea side that, like Evan, is in transition as well. I think it's fair to acknowledge that. They they will probably get better in the coming weeks of um, of the season. But, But they've still got a side that's absolutely loaded with talent. And I thought for large parts of the game, I thought Everton competed with them. Um, I thought they defended pretty resolutely against him. James Tarkovsky, you know, obviously makes a difference at the back, but they, they look very solid at the back against Chelsea. They didn't cause too many problems against Everton. Uh, and I thought even going forward, there are a few glimmers of hope. We, we know that Everton need a striker, but they probably needed at least another forward option even before Dominic Calvert-Lewin got injured. But to, to lose him on the eve of the campaign, you know, just felt like a bit of a hammer blow in the circumstances Although Evan didn't create too many clear-cut chances, they got to lots of promising positions in the final third. Where, you know, if they hadn't had a, a striker, you know, a, a regular striker, they probably would have turned fifty percent chances into seventy-five percent chances. Gordon had a couple of, you know, had a header, had a couple of opportunities to to get into better positions. Deli Ali had an opportunity in the box. I mean, if Damari Gray managed to play through Anthony Gordon, then it could well have been a bit of a different story as well. But overall, you know, I, I thought that Everton looked quite strong, looked quite resolute, brilliant at defending corners at the back, especially once Mason Holgate came on. Um, you know, things will get better, the side will strengthen. I thought the question marks that are there are questions that everybody at the club knows about. I'm sure they'll do their best to address in the coming weeks. I don't use alongside Joe in the Goodison Park press box on, on Saturday. And for you, did you see no real signs of encouragement? Uh, I know you were you a bit buoyed by what you'd witnessed. Okay, it was a defeat, but at least Everton looked like they got a pattern, a way they want to play. And 
Frank Lampard has clearly worked on things over the summer. One of them being defending corners and defending set pieces. Well, that was that was a that was a major improvement, wasn't it? And I suppose, you know, we can only uh, I don't want to make a sweeping judgment on you know the defending of set pieces after just one game because they yeah. have to deal with sixteen corners though. Yeah, yeah, so very, very true, left. very true. And I think, well, you know, the substitution of Mason Holgate proved quite important in that sense because he he dealt with yeah, uh, especially those near post corners. He dealt with a good few of them himself, but. You know there were there were there was you know individual games last season where I thought that dealt well with set pieces. It it it's got to be a more general thing, and I suppose we can start making a judgment on that when we get a little bit further down the line, a few weeks, maybe a couple of months into the season, and we can maybe see how uh, Ashley Cole is maybe changing things going forward a little bit as well. Maybe we'll only see that when Dominic Calvert Lewin comes back, or you know a new forward comes into the side, etc. But yeah, I think that was one of one of the the major positives that you can take from it. I think there were a lot of individual performances that you can take. Uh, you know, a lot of positives from, I thought Nathan Patterson was strong. Tarkovsky obviously was strong, as I say, Holgate, I think, when he came on. Both he did quite well. Uh, it will be into Corre in the in the midfield, you know, even though the latter gave away the penalty, which ended up being the deciding factor. I thought that, that was probably the best game I've seen him put in for a good long while, to be honest. And it was just interesting to see what Frank Lampard had said before the match. He said he wanted this side to play with a little bit more bravery this time. You know, obviously they didn't have the weight of a relegation fight on their shoulders. You know, he didn't want them to lose that sort of defensive organisation that they had against Chelsea last time out, but it didn't need to be this sort of backs against the wall approach. They could take a little bit more possession, take a little bit more time in possession, etc. be a little bit braver on the ball. And uh, it, I just thought it was very interesting to see the effects of that on the pitch. I do, I do think that that was the case. It probably started from the back with somebody like Tarkovsky, who's obviously as comfortable as he is in possession, uh, bringing it through to midfield. I think Awobi was really good in uh, moving the ball on quickly to those at the top end of the pitch. And then at the top end of the pitch, obviously, it was a little bit toothless. I think they kind of made a few wrong decisions in certain scenarios, maybe didn't take chances as they came to them as well as they could possibly have done. But, you know, let's be, let's be honest, Chelsea are a team with you know, a lot of quality. They've added even more quality to the defence in particular. Looking at that back five that they put out, you know, on paper, that's a phenomenal back five. So Everton going up against that without an out-and-out striker, it was always going to be a difficult task. And I think, you know, in, in general, that's got to be a performance that Frank Lampard can take a whole lot of you know a whole lot of comfort from because I do think the players did take on board you know it's kind of you know, wanting to play play the ball a little bit more he said he's gonna uh, go back with his players and view little sections where he thinks you know you, you didn't have to go long here you could have played an extra pass and gone in behind etc but you know I'm sure we'll talk about it in a little bit but you know, the potential signings could obviously help that along further down the line as well but in, in in terms of a start to the, to the season, only being separated by you know, a bit of a clumsy penalty between Everton and Chelsea, I think that's got to be seen as a little, at least at something of a positive start to the campaign. And you know, hopefully, we'll see see Everton build on this in the next few weeks. Gav, there was times last year where I think Frank Lampard even loses this himself, where he felt like the world was against him. I think when that news dropped early last week that Donald Calvert Lewin was going to be off for weeks, not days. Yeah, I mean, possibly even you know two months was has been mentioned. He must have felt like the world was against him once again before a ball's even a competitive ball's even being kicked. I think we saw it on Saturday the the need for a centre forward and 
just how big a blow that Dominic Calvert-Lewin hole that Everton, you know, weren't able to fill, how big it really is, isn't it? Well, it's not just that Dominic Calvert-Lewin, it's just, it's exposed the fact there's no adequate backup centre-forward, <laughs> doesn't it really? We, we said we needed a centre-forward anyway, probably, somebody who can play across the line, and um, Calvert-Lewin's absence has just shown, shown that, hasn't it really? So it's not, the argument is not like, well, you know, it's two centre-forwards possibly, isn't it? But if we just go on the premise of one, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you saw that on Saturday. I I think me and Joe, I think, I don't think we had conversations, didn't we, before the game about who, who play up top. I felt like that Dali Ali will be best suited. Um, didn't even start. I think Adds, you called it. I think Joe, you called the saying Anthony Gordon had starts, centre forward. Um, and that just showed you really the, the problem of it <laughs> is that there's nobody even in the squad who can play centre-forward, even naturally. I mean, that Ali's the one, but he's out of four. Uh, I would have still started him anyway. I thought that header in the first half, I thought Ali would have scored that, you know, the Anthony Gordon one. I would have expected Ali to score that. I've seen him score header goals against Chelsea uh, before. Yeah, and it, it just does, just shows you the really the, you know, the, the, that we've taken... We've, We've sent in a lot of areas and we'll talk about centre in the midfield, I'm sure, but I think we've taken our eye off the ball a little bit over the last month, knowing that Rich Allison was going really fit for the 30 all summer. And we've um, we've allowed that to sort of drag on that and it's now uh, you know an urgent issue for us to, to address. I think it was saying before the pod, though, we said Cavalier six weeks, we can get away with eight weeks, and he only misses the same number of games because there's an international break in September yeah. of the 25th of September. So I think a six weeks is up just before the international break starts. So there's a, I won't say he's lucky, but he's, you could get an eight week break here and miss the same number of games as you do in six. So um, yeah, and you saw that on, on Saturday. And I think it also, Showed the, the lack of a creative midfielder as well on Saturday, not having a centre forward. Um, you're, like, you're relying on people who are not centre forwards to pick up scraps and do things themselves, which is not ideal either. Yeah, and, and I'm wicked on that. It, it's, shown a, it's shown us, you know, an area of the pitch that we need to to look at urgently because, find you out, I mean, Leave it a couple of games, all of a sudden you're three or four games into the season, aren't you? Then that's 10% of the campaign, isn't it, really? Already. And, you know, so I, I, I know there's been some activity this week about midfielders and defenders and stuff, but we have, we have a striker. And also, I, I still think we need a, a, a you know, somebody even creating it in the middle of the park. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
Joe, I spoke to Michael Ball this morning for his echo column, and he's had some, he had some pretty brutal and, and boom points to make towards the, the Everton board in terms of the, the lack of not being in centre forward and the fact that you know Frank Lampard was allowed to kick off the season route. You know, the centre forward being brought in this summer. Do you think Graf's got a point there in terms of it's almost like we've missed a point this summer in terms of the, the centre forward option and that all the focus has been on other areas that Everton have forgot that they need to not only replace with Charleston, but they need to bring someone else in to, to give them a, a boost up top? I think it's been clear that Everton have needed um, strengthening up top, certainly ever since Richardson left. And I don't think that anybody at the club has been naive that if you look at what happened after the Minnesota United defeat, the, the second friendly of the summer, Frank Lampard himself came out and was you know, speaking quite openly about how he was avoiding attacking options up there. So it's clear that he sees the same issue as, as the rest of us. Um, obviously, efforts to find a striker haven't gone particularly well so far. They either haven't got the right person or they've got close to them and haven't got the right the money for them or haven't been able to get a deal over the line. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I do think that the centre midfield was a very pressing issue. You know, I can understand why. I can understand why whilst Dominic Calvert-Lewin was fit and he came back from pre-season and he looked in great shape, impressed the coaches in training. Um, Looked all right in in the preseason friendlies and played well for the first for the hour that he was on the pitch against Dynamo Kiev. So, bearing in mind what we know, bearing in mind what we know about what he can do when he's fit, we kind of understand why they pressed ahead with centre midfield options as well. Because I do think that Evan are you know probably two centre midfielders short of where they actually want to be. But there's no doubt that that, that going forward up top has to be a priority obviously we, we know that centre midfield reinforcements are coming it was a strange one seeing the Connor Cody interest emerge at the back end of last week at a time when Evan had six full six um, fully fit centre backs I couldn't quite understand where, whilst if they were interested in him at the back end of last season when they were looking for another centre back in a search that kind of essentially ended up with James Tarkovsky coming to the club. So the interest has always been there. And obviously we know the director of football, Kevin Fowell, has strong links to Wolves where he was formerly the sporting director. So Wolves players are always going to be on the radar to a certain extent. Um, But when, especially after Dominic Calvert-Lewin's injury broke, when the Conor Cody speculation started to to mount and obviously there was substance in it, um, as, as, as we've reported, it felt peculiar that that was coming at a time when clearly, you know, it should have been a, a striker was becoming increasingly necessary. So, obviously, with the injuries to Mina and Godfrey, all of a sudden the the groundwork that had been done on Cody already is likely to to come off and be very useful. But um, that doesn't solve the problem up top. They desperately need a striker. They needed a striker before Dominic Calvert-Lewin got injured. Um, surely, surely they'll be doing everything they can right now to to, to find one. Adam, we are going to talk about transfers, especially in midfield. But someone who started in midfield for Everton on Saturday, and I thought was Everton's man of the match and was, was outstanding, was Alex Obi. It's been a, a far cry from, you know, you think this time last season, he's probably one of the first names at the top of the list of when loose supporters be asked, do they want to leave the club? He's, you know, he started to show form towards the end of last season. He's really turned a corner and he's reaping the benefits, isn't he, of Frank Lampard's arrival. And, you know, you know, you've done a piece this morning where you talk about what Frank Lampard told him about playing midfield. And, it seems like he's hanging off everywhere, as Boss got to say to him, doesn't he? Well, exactly. And, and I think it's I think what's interesting to hear about it is that it seems to be 
a very mutual sort of respect between Iwobi and Lampard. Like Lampard, whenever he gets the chance to speak about Iwobi, is always <laughs> full of praise for him. He says he's just he'll he'll put his heart and soul into everything. I'll ask him to play centre mid or right wing back or as a number ten or wherever I want to play him on the pitch. He can just stand up and you know, he'll have no arguments about it. He'll just he'll just do it. And you know, it, it it's really it's really good to see. It will be talking about things like that, and you know he talks about uh, the fans as well. Whenever you know he's trying to progress the team forward, he might misplace a pass. He's getting those you know rounds of applause and cheers rather than you know the groans that might have come in the past. And I think that's you know, generally the kind of change that we've seen in the fan base uh, since Frank Lampard's come in, isn't it? You know that that sort of pivot to just a generally more positive attitude as much as we can have it. You know throughout the ninety minutes of the game. And, you know, for somebody like Awobi, it's clearly having an effect on his performances because you can see now even playing as, a, you know, a bit of a deeper midfielder. Uh, I think he's played in that position for Nigeria a couple of times. I can't say I've ever seen those matches, but I have seen... <laughs> you say you don't watch all Nigeria's matches? I can't say I did. No. can't say I did. Not, not a super <laughs> fan, I <laughs> But I have, I have read reports uh, from people who have watched those games, which have suggested that he plays... You know very well in those sort of deep line positions uh, on the couple of times that he's played there for Nigeria. So it was very interesting to see him take up that role at Everton. And then it's something that I'd, I'd actually quite like to see him do uh, in the future as well, because we saw it at the back end of last season. I think probably he's, he's potentially the fittest player that Everton have got at the club at the minute, isn't he, in terms of you know being able to sprint absolutely everywhere throughout the 90 minutes. To be fair, I think Abdelai Decore probably give him a run for his money, you know, quite literally, <laughs> uh, at the weekends. Because as I say, I think I think it, it, it was hard to split those two in terms of performance. As I say, it was a little bit disappointing that Decore was the one who gave away the penalty. But I do think that was maybe one of the only things he did wrong. Uh, those two worked together as a pair quite well. Uh, it was good to see it will be being able to take the ball on the turn and be able to push forwards with it. I still think you know his best position is going to be if Everton were to switch to a midfield three, for example, him playing towards the front of that midfield three would be uh, a lot better to see. And you know, we could have somebody else playing in the six, maybe Amadou Onana when he when he comes in. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see here where Frank Lampard actually fits fits him into the system and you know what system he's even going to play with uh, the defensive injuries that have come up as well. So that, that'll all be interesting to see. But... Yeah, I think Alex Awobi now, the, the way that he's managed to turn himself around over the course of the last 12 months, it's it's really heartwarming to see. And it, it's something that I absolutely didn't expect. But for, I would say, the vast majority of Evertonians now, he's probably one of the first names on a team sheet because of you know the hard work and the dedication that he puts in. You know, He's, he's probably up, up there level with Anthony Gordon for a lot of fans in terms of you know, that commitment that he gives to his club over the course of a 90 minutes which is it's it really promising for him and you know as I say fingers crossed he can only uh, take that forwards into the rest of the season Gavin I think one of the things that struck a lot of people in Sargoldson Park and highlighted the, the task that Frank Lampard's got even if he's got plays back fit is, is the golfing squads and I think you know this new rule about making five substitutes you see the weekend Chelsea made five Goodison the, the plays they're bringing on the calibre the plays they're bringing on it just highlights isn't it how big a job Frank Lampard's got this season in terms of, you know, managing Everton squad, making them competitive and being on the meal to compete because it's going to be tougher than ever before, isn't it? The fact that teams are allowed to make, you know, 
effectively changed half their outfield plays during a match. Yeah, an absolute nonsense rule, that isn't it? On uh, and you saw I was that. hoping you would say something like that. I was hoping that you would have a response like that. I mean, that was a slightly different issue, but it is linked to the Lampard's problem, as you say. But you know, you can never make enough bad decisions, can they? Uh, in football, you know, the authorities, and this is just one of them. Uh, I don't get, I mean, I get, I get why coaches themselves say, Yeah, I, you know, I think Frank has spoken out that he wanted it, but as a fan. It just reinforces the, the 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 superiority of the bigger clubs, as we saw on on Saturday. Uh, also, as well, um, it's it's now another tool, isn't it, to waste time? Well, exactly. You know, I know there's only three windows, but it takes longer to make two substitutions at once than one substitution at once, and it just breaks up the game. And there was something today. Was it for fifty-one minutes? The ball was in play. Yeah, I, was I, think, I think I saw forty-seven. 47 percent of the time. And when you consider there was, there was, was it about twenty minutes added on time as well. Yeah, yeah, forty-seven percent of the time that you were there, the ball was in play, which is just shocking. And and a lot of that was to do with Chelsea time wasting and the way the substitutions just broke up the whole game. And I don't go off the subject slightly, but it is linked to, to Frank because, as you say, that's quite right. It gives you more flexibility and more firepower and theory and the ability to change things. But if you haven't got to play in the first place, it's, you might as well have three, mightn't you, Evan? Well, um, yeah. And and then you'd, you'd struggle, wouldn't you? So, I mean, yeah, I think we have got numbers. You know, you'd, you'd be pretty confident that we'd always have a centre-half on the bench, wouldn't you, really? Um, I think... And a midfielder as well, if we if we bring players in. But it's just it's just bringing something different. And I mean, you could say let's say we bring guy in. Um, what's his name? What's his name? Anana is this? Yeah. 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 In well, they're not too dissimilar to Alan and Zakore, are they? Really? You know, it's similar. You know, from what I've read, and I don't know a lot about this new lab, but they're similar. Similar sorts of profiles. Anana may be slightly more defensive minded. So, but if you if you've got those four, what you want on the bench or on is something different. So that's why we see need an attacking we need an attacking creative midfielder, don't we? And um, I think I think that that that's the that it, it Frank needs to not strengthen. He needs to give us something that we haven't got, and that includes obviously a striker, and also includes a. An attacking creative midfielder as well. Do you not think Iwobi could be that if he was using that role? Is he a, is he a creative midfielder? I'm not I, I sure. Yes, sir. Personally, but he, he played number ten, didn't he? A couple of couple of years ago under uh, Carlo, and he he stank the stank the gaff out, didn't he? Well, uh, he could do. He could do his new confidence and stuff. But when I think of Iwobi, I don't necessarily think of somebody who's a I don't know, say a Christian Eriksen type player. Hmm. I think when we when we come on to this and, and where Everton need to strengthen and things like that, we, we basically come back to the same things we've come back to for, for the past 18 months really on just how poorly the squad has been put together over a number of years. Obviously, it's a it's a big character of the, the Mashiri tenure, the fact that money has been spent without any real clear pathway as to there's been little strategy to everything that's been done. And obviously what hasn't helped in that has been the lurching from 
one manager to another manager, one director of football to another director of football. You know, every every year or two, there's been a massive change at the top, and what you're left with is this Frankenstein squad of other different options. I think you know when we when we talk about the need for things like attacking or creative midfielders, I actually think Everton have probably got quite a few that could potentially relish that role. The, the problem has been getting the players in front of them and the players behind them for them to be able to do their jobs as you'd hope for them to be able to do. Obviously, Awobi spent a lot of last season playing, you know, in effectively in, in defence. As well as he did, that's clearly not his best position. I think that's probably part of the problem that Frank has had and, and Kevin Farwell have had over the course of the summer. Almost, if they want to go, if they want to rebuild this squad properly, they have to deal with some of the very most basic issues in the first place. And obviously... It's it's all well and good. Obviously, Anana and and Gay might have same characteristics as Decore and Allen. Problem with Allen is we haven't seen him on a football pitch for a significant amount of time. He, you know, we missed so much of, of the back end of last season, and he's not starting this season. Um, so, kind of, if, if, I think I think Gay and and, and Anana will probably be a, an increase in, in quality on there, but also just options for players on the pitch. And if that means that then Awobi can play in the number 10 role, or if it means that, um, that someone else can, then then that would hopefully make Everton stronger as a result of that. And also, you know, again, if they can get a striker so that you haven't got Anthony Gordon playing clearly out of position, again, it's trying to trying to create a squad that's strong enough to have players actually playing in their strongest positions would actually be progress, which shows you basically the state that Everton were in you know, going into Frank Lampard and Kevin Farwell's tenure, you know, they're, they're having to almost completely rebuild the foundation of the squad before they can then go on about adding on the extra bits that might take them from survival to, you know, mid-table. Like, it's quite a damning indictment, really, of the policy of the last five or six years, isn't it? Or the policy that's run through the club over the last five, six years. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Adam, fans have been rather restless, I think it's safe to say, when it comes to transferring Cummins. No. But it does look like we are set to have two, possibly even three, mm. in the coming days. Obviously, the man from Real was at Goodison Park on Saturday. Mm. And even though he was there, he's still not officially being watched. As we record on Monday afternoon, an Everton player yet. Adrissa Garnagay is also someone who's been linked to coming back to the club. Mm-hmm. We know what we're we don't know what we're going to get from him because we've all seen him and enough of him over the past. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on the two deals? Do you think it's a, 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 a fine balance or do you think it's you know, a case of needs most for Frank Lampard because midfield is a massive area that he's wanted to improve for a long time and to get not one but two in will give him, a, a, him and the squad a big boost? I think I think it is a big boost, isn't it? Like I think there's there's little doubt in that the two players that are going to be coming in are going to improve the options that Everton have got at their disposal. I think, you know, from... From that kind of perspective, in terms of like central midfielders, without talking about you know the potential of a creative <laughs> midfielder that Gab's talking about, uh, you know you, you you're then starting to pivot towards who can you potentially get out uh, of the club before the end of the of the window because I think you've got a lot of options in that area of the pitch. Once everyone's fit, then you've got the two two lads that have come in. You've got Decore, Iwobi can play there. Tom Davis, Andre Gomez. Alan, Jean-Philippe Gabamon, you've got Lewis Warrington, of course, who's still with the squad as well. You know, there's a there's a lot of players there, uh, a lot of them on not insignificant amounts of wages per week as well, which uh, 
you know, you, you, you're probably looking to move one, two, maybe even three of those on, uh, whether that be on loan or permanently before the end of the summer. But I think in terms of the two lads coming in, I think it's, it, it, it's undoubtedly a boost. And it was interesting to hear what Frank Lampard was saying about Onana in particular uh, after the game on Saturday, because he was saying he sees him as potentially more of a number eight uh, as, as things stand. But obviously he can play in that number six role, especially if Everton were to play the system that they did play against Chelsea, as he called it, a, like a double number six. He, he, he was effectively calling it against Chelsea. He said that Onana could absolutely fit into that role. And, you know, you could imagine Idrissa Guy fitting into uh, the role next to him quite comfortably as well in, in that sort of scenario. Uh, it was also interesting from Lampard to hear that, you know, at the end of the day, Onana is still only 20. You know, he's, he's going to be coming over from the French League as well. There's a certain amount of patience that needs to be afforded. Obviously, this is a very exciting transfer and he's somebody who's got a, an extremely high ceiling in terms of his potential. But I think maybe he, he is going to be one that might need a little bit of time to adapt to the Premier League and to his new surroundings, etc. So if he doesn't necessarily hit the ground running, I don't think that should necessarily be any sort of cause for concern. And it was just... I thought it was just quite interesting to hear Frank Lampard you know, making that point as early as he is, because obviously I think Frank Lampard is, is somebody who's obviously well-versed about playing in midfield in the Premier League, and he's somebody who values player welfare very highly, doesn't he? And as we've already talked about his conversations with Alex Iwobi, uh, you'll probably be having a lot of those sorts of conversations with all of the players in his squad. He wants to make sure that everybody's as happy as possible. So if he, you know, if he needs to make this point about the potential development of Onana early on. I think it was it was good for him to hear it, uh, to be saying that as as early as he is. I think it's you know obviously less of an issue with the potential arrival of Ghana because as you say, he's played for Everton for years. He knows the club very well. He knows the league very well. I think he's only improved as a player to be honest since he's went to Paris Saint Germain. Obviously, he was playing in a very different system and he was asked to do very different things when he was at PSG than he would have been. Uh, at Everton, but I think that's maybe improved him as a player in terms of his you know, ability to progress the ball forwards, whether that be in terms of passing or in terms of dribbling. So perhaps if Everton are going to be playing in this more brave fashion that Frank Lampard wants to see in the future, perhaps we might be able to see maybe a little bit of a difference address again than uh, we saw uh, during his time at Everton. I do think we did see glimpses of that in his last few weeks and months uh, at Everton before he did move to France, but it would be nice to potentially see that a little bit more often in the future. So, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, these are these are two quality midfielders, aren't they? So you've got to be excited about you know, the potential boost that they could bring to that area of the pitch. I do think at that point on, though, you you are starting to think, all right, well, we do need to get some of these some of these other players out now because uh, I, th I think the problem the problem then becomes if you've got players who are surplus to requirements just hanging around the club even for a few months up until January, you know, in the in the financial situation that Everton are in, they probably can't really afford that all too much. So, yeah, I think it, it just accelerates the need to to get a few of them out as well. Gav, there's a, an old saying in football that you should never go back. Or just a guy, guy, is he someone who excites you to, to be coming back to Goodison Park? Or do you think he should have been looking elsewhere and, and, and a younger model like they have done with Onana in terms of someone a little bit younger and a little bit more on the youthful side? I get by your time both one one both are sort of 
the ends of the career, start and ends of the career, as it were. Ends of the career, that's a bit, a bit harsh, Gav. It's today, isn't he? Gone again in September, so he's more to the end than the beginning, isn't he? Put it this way. Um, I've said that players play play on now, like the late 30s, he's sort of on the only really so. Um, Garnagay's never been a player that's excited me. I've always used him as a bit of a luxury, to be honest with you. Um, I've done on the pod many, many times that for somebody who's main centre is tackling and just basically putting out fires, I, I think that's a luxury that you can't you can afford. Um, whilst doing very little else for me personally. Um, but as I'd said, is he come back? Probably come back a slightly different and better player than what he was when he left Everton. A bit more experienced, playing with better professionals, a bit more creative than what he's been. So I could see, you could see why he'd want to sign him. I, I still makes me feel uncomfortable to be fair because of his age. And I mean, we've spoken about being clever with wages and stuff, and we're giving thirty-three-year-olds decent-sized contracts. So I, I, that doesn't square with me, but I can see why he'd want to buy, buy him, given Alan's... Uh, I think Alan's... is contact up this year as well, Alan, is it? Yeah, it's last season. Yeah, yeah, so he'd be going at the end of the season. So it doesn't make sense with that, That um, to be fair. Uh, and is a, is, is a... We're talking separately, but uh, Guy, not for me, Clive, but I'd, uh, I can see why they've... they've you know, they, they wanna wanna bring him in. Joel, I think one of the big things to, to look at in terms of the the deals and you know, Gav's just touched on there in terms of, you know, just gonna be the wrong end. But Onana's at the, the right end, you would say, and I think he's probably the, the first transfer ever made this summer. Look, it's gonna make this summer where they might have some resale value in terms of moving forward and he's coming or you hope he's at the club for a long time. But given his age, he's he's Fits that mold, doesn't he? You know, potentially they might get something for him in years to come. Where you look at the plays, they've you no know, Tarkovsky guy, kind of cozy if he comes through the door. They're at the last stage of the career, and, and in many respects, Everton's probably the last kind of big club that they're going to play for before you know they, they look at retirement or dropping down, dropping down the leagues. Yeah, I think that if if you look at the transfer strategy or from what we can make of the transfer strategy so far, I think there's very much seems to be the case that there's almost two transfer windows that are running in parallel here at Everton. There is the the we need to strengthen immediately. We need to make sure that don't find that in the same position as, as they were last season. You know, Frank Lampard used the word robust a lot of times at the back end of last season. He talked about how he wanted to mould this the team going forward. Obviously, they suffered a lot of injuries last year, and, and they've already suffered a lot of injuries this time round. But you can see in Tarkovsky, who's played thirty plus games in the Premier League for each of the last five years, you can see in Connor Cody, he looks like he's about to sign. I think he's missed one Premier League game in the last four seasons. So you can see, and you can see this in, in in Guy as well, where you're getting somebody that has an excellent fitness record, who knows the league well, who's experienced, who strengthens the first team. You know, in those players, you, you have players that, that can come in and they can hopefully project Everton from the relegation battle that they were in at the back end of the last season to something approaching a lot more consistency and essentially consolidate. And if, if if they can help propel this team into a scenario where they haven't got to worry about relegation all this season, then that gives Lampard and Farwell the space to then be a little bit more creative to perhaps bring some of the young players through, like the likes of Stanley Mills and, and Lewis Warrington, and also the opportunity to kind of 
help nurture players like Anana, who is also 20 years old. We shouldn't expect thing, too big a thing. So we should also remember that FNR, by the looks of it, essentially agreed a £30 million deal at a time when, you know, they haven't been spending a lot of money on transfers. So as good as an exciting a deal as that is, and as much as it's the type of deal that I think most supporters want Everton to be doing, it would be peculiar if that happens in isolation. Bearing in mind, so obviously need a striker. If you know, if 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 Anana comes through the door and then it's having to look for loans or the bargain basement when it comes to strikers, I think which are needed now, then I think some fans might ask questions a little bit about how this strategy is played out. But obviously, Dominic Calvert-Lewin hopefully is out for six weeks and no more, and comes back and is the the, the forward that we we know he can be. But I think you know, you look at the same with Anani, you look at Dwight McNeil. I know he's got 134 Premier League appearances, but he's also only 22 years old. So whilst you've got those those, those older heads like Tarkovsky and then potentially um, Cody and potentially Guy at the top end of the scale, immediate enforcements improve now. The bottom end of the other end of the scale, you say you've got Anana, 20 years old, hopefully have a bright future. We talk about resale value. We don't want to be talking about selling these players on before they've even put on the blue shirt. But obviously... You know, there is a deal there, and this is perhaps something that's been lacking from the decisions and the, the arrivals over the last few years. There's a player there that even if it doesn't quite work out for Everton, there's still an opportunity to you know, find some interest and perhaps move him on either at a profit or if, if it does work out really well for him or if it doesn't work well for him, still get something back for him. In the same way it happened with Moise Keane, obviously, you know, he hasn't had a good time at Everton, but despite all that, after going on loan at PSG and doing so well there. He's ended up on a contract with Juventus, which means at the end of the season, he'll get a substantial sum of money. You know, Dwight McNeil, again, feels like one, an investment. Uh, we know there's a lot of potential from what we saw in his early days in the Premier League. He's only 22 years old. Hopefully he can push on from that. And again, you see them, you know, McNeil likes to Anana, Gordon's only young, Patterson's only young, those type of players being that, 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 that younger foundation, which will take the squad further going into the, you know, when you talk about long-term progression. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Adam, another player who Joel just mentioned, who looks to be good at some part bound. So the surprise of many, I think, Connor Cody, mm-hmm. a defender, a centre-back, mm-hmm. a Liverpool fan. We... we, we it has been mentioned, but yeah. what were your thoughts on, on when you first heard of Everton's interest and how the deal has developed? And although you know it now makes perfect sense given the injuries to me and Ben Godfrey, well, at the sound Friday, last Thursday, Friday, when the news initially broke, that kind of perfect sense didn't add up, did it? It, did, it wasn't what was the on, the on everyone's lips. Well, that's it, the Everton's lips. Well, that's it. I think that's the deciding factor, really, isn't it? What, what is essentially you know, happened to Godfrey and Mina over the course of the weekend, which you, you couldn't possibly have predicted. Uh, I do think that now is kind of swung round to this Connor Cody stuff making sense because yeah, I, I do understand what people are people have I've I've seen a saying that he, you know, he he brings certain qualities to the Everton backline that you know have been missing over the last few years in terms of well, particularly leadership qualities. Uh, I know James Tarkovsky you know, brings brings that certain calibre with him as well, but you know, it, it's always nice to have <laughs> the, those sort of options. And he is essentially a back three specialist, isn't he? And mm. it, it it sort of exemplifies this flexibility that Frank Lampard at least wants to have. You know, he, he's talked a lot about 
want them to play a 4-3-3 in the future. But, you know, it's it's still still seemingly apparent that, you know, a, a three-man or five-man defence is a, is something that Everton could use over the course of the coming weeks and months. So, it you know, it wouldn't be a bad thing at all to be bringing somebody who's a bit of a specialist in that system uh, into, into try and bolster your options. Uh, he's somebody who's going to be dedicated you know as, as he's shown over his time at Wolves he's desperate to get into the uh, England squad for the World mm. Cup so he's going to be you'd, you'd imagine he's going to be he's playing that's it uh, it's, so you know at the time I did think it was a bit it was a bit strange because that would that would have left Everton with six fifth mm. uh, centre-back options at the time and even if they are going to be playing uh, a sort of three centre back system, should we call it? Uh, I did think that was maybe a bit over the top, uh, especially for the fact that I still think uh, if you're going to be playing three at the back, when Seamus Coleman comes back into the side, I think he fits in as a third centre back better than he fits in as a wing yeah. back. So add that into the mix as well, and you 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 do have a wealth of options. Uh, you've got Reese Welch, of course, as well, who's still uh, in and around the first team as things stand. It'll be interesting to see. If he gets a loan move before the end of the window, but yeah, at that time it didn't really make a lot of sense to me. But now that we've had the injuries, you know, it it, it does make it does make sense, doesn't it? You know, he's somebody who's proven dependable over his time at Wolves. At the very least, I think he's only missed one game over the last four years or something like that, and that was due to COVID. Um, so he, he's he's not somebody who you know touch wood gets injured very often. Uh, and you know, it, it goes back to what Joe was saying before the. Lampard has kind of repeatedly said over the last couple of months he wants to make this side more robust. And you can see with the signings of Tarkovsky with the potential arrival of Conor Cody, uh, that's that's clearly the pathway that he wants to take Everton in the future. So, you know, and especially the fact that it's it's alone, you know, potentially alone with potential option to buy as well. That I think that strikes me as probably the best, the mm-hmm. best deal that Everton could have got. Because it, it, it means the ball's in their court a, a little bit more than any, more than anything else, doesn't it? So, it it seems to me very very low risk, uh, quality uh, a quality player in a position that Everton now do need another player to come in for, like for the next couple of months uh, in particular. Uh, while while Godfrey re- works his way back to fitness, I just don't think you can depend on. Yeah, I mean, regardless of yeah. what, what what the time frame is on we his feel, injury, we, we feel minute. like we've had this conversation the past yeah. a thousand and one times, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, I, I I just think it makes it it does make a lot of sense to me now, but I think that's in retrospect of what happened <laughs> at the weekend. I wouldn't have been saying this on Friday. Let, <laughs> let, let me say that. Gav, about you, is it, is it a transfer that makes perfect sense? Did it make perfect sense to you before the injuries at the weekend, or was you like Adam a little bit? Baffled as yeah. to why he was making the move, or was you, was you always always on this one from the very start? Funny enough, me and Joe had the conversation before the game, didn't we? Both said the number of centre halves that that we had. And we, you know, this got, is it, was it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mikhailenko's already he played centre half, didn't he? You know, yeah, yeah. We've got you know, which is Andy. Duffin Agre was good when he came on on Saturday. By the way, thought thought he looked useful. Mm. Yeah, and the make you got ones about that. I was going to say. Did Frank know something we didn't? But considering like Mina went went off, that wasn't totally unexpected, was it really? Um, yeah, I, I think we need Cody. I like Cody as a as a person and as a player. 
Uh, I think it'd be a real asset to us. As Ad says, he's comfortable in a three, which is probably one of the reasons why you know, Bulls may want to uh, move him on because I think they want to change their style. For somebody who never scored any goals as well, he was was he the top scoring centre half last season or there or thereabouts? I think Cody was up there. Scored the winner. He did. Never ever scored for donkey seasons. That's that, wasn't it? You know, and yeah, I, I, I like Cody. I I see this as basically if it's a loan, pounds for penny. We'll I think we'll be informed at the end of the the season. I'm just just thinking about when's Keenan Holgate's. Um, deals up. I think he's here after a, next. He's still got a while. I think three years. Yeah, still got a while. So yeah. So you can you can see you can see probably one one if not both of them being moved on at the end of the season. They are like cozy. He's better than what we've got, and I think a back three that's got Cody and Tarkovsky in with a another. You know, is is is, is an upgrade. Uh, to be honest with you. And I'm just wondering whether, you know, I mean, that's the thing with me and this injury. You, you wonder that they probably want to move me in on at some point. Maybe that's why they were looking at Cody. Um, it's, but I don't think that's going to happen yet. But no, I uh, I like Cody as a person, as a player, and I think it'd be a real asset to the to the club. Joe, I think, you know, Gav said there in terms of real asset. With Cody, it feels like they're getting more than just a centre-back, doesn't it? You know, you look at Tarkovsky and the impact he's had. So he's coming in terms of that leadership style at the back, you know, not being afraid to tell people what to do and where to go. You get the feeling that Conor Cody's going to come in and be exactly the same. He's almost like, you know, Frank Lampard signs another captain to, to add to his ranks and, and someone to take responsibility at the back. That's it. You know, if you think of, you know, one of the allegations that was put to Everton through some of the lower moments of last season was that there were a lack of, a lack of leaders there, a lack of, a lack of captains and, all of a sudden, you know, Tarkovsky's signing introduces one. We we know how prominent Seamus Coleman's role was behind the scenes and on the pitch last season. We saw the emergence of Jordan Pickford, who's obviously now got the captain's armband. I mean, if you if you throw in Connor Cody to the mix and that as well, then you think there's some really strong positive some really strong personalities in that dressing room, but strong positive personalities. You know, I've speaking to James Tarkovsky after the match on on, on Saturday and one of the things that we're talking about was his leadership and he was saying how much he actually enjoys that role and how much he sees it as genuinely part of his job to try and help and, and guide people on the pitch. And, you know, when obviously we're talking about the kind of the dual strategy transfer window, if he's got somebody like Onana in front of him who's picking up the trade or if he's got someone like Patterson to the right of him who's, who's you know, playing in the Premier League for the first time, you know, that that's it's crucial to have that kind of core of leadership personnel within the side and to have them in that position and to bring to bring them into a position where Evans struggled so much with last season just it really it, it really is genuinely a big step forward you know you would you know season's one game old and Everton have issues to address in a couple of areas of the pitch but if I mean you'd be hard pushed to put money on a side that has England's number one in goal and Tarkovsky in Cody is part of the back line in front of them as being real relegation fodder because you think surely they're not going to concede too many goals and surely they're not going to lose their head too much. There's always going to be a strong personality there that can, you know, during big moments in games or times when things are going against them can help pull the other players around them and make sure that they keep focused. It's going back to doing the sensible things well. And that feels like, it feels like 
Lampard and Fell are in the process of building a squad that perhaps does the sensible things well, and with the exception of, 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 of the issues up top, which again have been exacerbated by a surprise injury at the beginning of the season and are surely in the process of being dealt with. You know, you, you look at a side that can do, do the simple things well and then hopefully find a few, you know, little bit of finishing touches around the edge and then be a bit creative, a bit innovative and, and to see what everyone can really do to get the fans excited. Gents, to finish up then, one final question. A simple yes or no answer and we'll, we'll try and keep it short and sweet. But by the time we record on Friday to preview the game against Aston Villa and look back on hopefully a triple transfer, transfer swoop, Will Everton have signed a forward player? Adam? No. Gav? Say the question again. I missed the last one. <laughs> <laughs> By the time... My microphone went a little bit skewed. Sorry, I missed that. By the Not time... We record... the moment, sister, on podcasts. <laughs> By the time we record our show on Friday, yeah. will Everton have signed a forward? No. Joe, are you going to go for... Are you joining the full house or are you going to... Have a bit of optimism and give Blues something to look forward to ahead of Friday's show. Yes. Well, oh. that is the answer that we were asked. Yeah. Joe no, so <laughs> knows something we don't. <laughs> I, I don't, but, yeah. but one thing I would say is, is or, or a couple of things I'd say is, one, it's been pointingly obvious all summer that Everton need forward options, even before Dominic Calvert-Lewin's. So surely a lot of thoughts have been applied to that in the first place. And two... In fairness, and obviously this makes our job a lot harder, but one of the, with the exception of Tarkovsky, when you look at the signs that have been made so far, they've all come out the blue. Everton have actually done quite well to keep a really tight ship. Um, Onana came from, whilst we may have been aware of the interest in some of these players, you know, Onana, McNeil and Vinagra all just came out of nowhere and you know, within 24 hours of, 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 of the rumours having emerged, deals were effectively done. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's a striker, you know, that has been signed by, by the time they, they start on Sunday. And that isn't me speaking with being cryptic either. The, uh, that might be more hope than judgment, but I, um, I, I think there will be. I think that means Joe's playing number nine for us on Saturdays. He's sort of <laughs> If, if, if I am, we really are in trouble. So, <laughs> Well, we will leave the listeners with that thought, Joe, of you leading the line for the Blues on Saturday for the park. <laughs> <laughs> but lads, thank you very much for joining me to look back on what's been, I think we can all say, an eventful few days regarding Everton Football Club. We will, of course, be back on Friday to preview Everton's upcoming Premier League clash for Aston Villa and also look back on all the transfer goings on, which we expect will Hopefully be a fever pitch by then and plays will have a few new additions will have already been in and hopefully a few more will be on the radar of the club. But for today, you've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.